always little slithers of just show up how you want to show up. Mm -hmm. How you show up regularly is how people are going to gravitate to you. Extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got ourselves, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. Now, the second thing that I really, really benefited from was the revenue, revenue generating activities was not necessarily a thing before 2021. Now I had my LLC, I had my website, I had a few clients here and there, but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've, that I've created relationships with, Everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us. You can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. Welcome to the Work and Play podcast. I am your host, Aria. I think I'm your host. <laughs> Ariel Young and um, I have the fabulous Miss Lauren Perot here, Miss CPA and CFO here to join me, share a little bit of her journey, share her wisdom, which I already, you guys have already benefited from, and hear the ups and downs, the turns and the twists. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, I definitely thought we was just finishing our conversation and then we was going <laughs> <laughs> So all I'm thinking now is like, wait, when is she going to start this? But I literally was just like, let's just finish the thought out and then we're going to get going. But that's that's what it is. I, I love having conversations. Yes. It is just flowing, but okay, yes. Look, I just figured, you know, hey, look, we got a lot of like me learning lessons on here so i know i'm gonna cut it at some point but we're gonna 100%. we're gonna get it okay so um without further ado would you like to introduce yourself yes okay i am lauren you already said cpa cfo profit strategist um a lot of people ask me what's a profit strategist so i basically i help my clients figure out not only their overall idea of you know how much money they want but how are we going to get to it mm -hmm. right a lot of people are like i want to make um, I want to make six figures a year or I want to make six figures a month and but how are we going to do it? Right. And then also a lot of people think that the only reason why they aren't making money is for various reasons. Right. I don't have funnels. I don't have ads. I don't have this when really it's like your website isn't good or you don't have a CRM system and it's taking forever for you to send out emails. And by the time you send them their contract, you've already lost them. Mm -hmm. So I come in and not only, you know, does my team handle your whole like back end process when it comes to like bookkeeping, accounting, um, policies, procedures, things of that nature. I am overall looking at your business in a very holistic way to figure out one, what what's not working and two, what do we have to do to be able to hit your goal as fast, as clean, as efficient, and as effective as we can. Mm, and to back that up a little bit, you um, 
you came from corporate America. Yes. And and now you're running your own establishment. So what were you in corporate America? What was your role in corporate America? So I started I started it as um, in public accounting. So okay, so when I went to school, I was supposed to be a doctor. My mom's a nurse, and she told me my whole life like you're gonna be a doctor. <laughs> we're gonna get this methadone clinic, and so she's still holding that over my head. So I'm taking these classes, and I'm not liking them. I'm literally in class like I don't feel like life is supposed to be like this. Like literally, I was in chemistry 111. Remember, like yesterday, and I was just sitting there, like, I don't feel like this is life. I just don't think this, this is, is what's supposed to be. Yeah, why would I do? Yeah. Like, I was a freshman. I was just like, this is it. Sitting right with me. So then, like, some personal things happened. Um, I ended up having to leave school, come back. But when I ended, when I came back, I was like, okay, I don't want to do this no more. I want to do business. Told my mom she had a. I like broke her little heart, but she ended up giving me like this um this pamphlet of things. So she asked me, "What did you want to do?" And I said, "Money." Like mm -hmm. I love math. I've always loved money. I've always been the person who was talking about money. If we was playing Monopoly, I was the bank, right? I didn't. I'm not buying no houses. But I'm gonna keep you. Okay, you owe me a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough cash. Okay, I have promissory notes. I have a, like I was that person. We played store. I was the played the register. I didn't play house. I play, so we're playing business. Mm -hmm. I'm working the register. <laughs> like I would used to make registers. So I'm like money. That's all I know. That's all I know, right? <laughs> so I'm reading like all the different, you know, um, things you can do. And I see accounting and I look at stuff. I see actuary, a bunch of stuff. But accounting, I'm like, you know what, let me do it. Switched my major, was in love. I'm like read, I'm like read the whole book. We not even finished with the semester. We not even yeah. had midterms. Yeah. So when you go into accounting and you meet different people in accounting, they basically tell you like what the whole lineup is, right? Like, okay, so you're going to get your accounting thing. You need to become a CPA. So then that means that you need to have at least 150 credits. They tell you to more than likely get your master's. So basically I was told, I spoke with, um, and this is why I felt like you need to take advice from anybody, right? A lot of times people feel like that they have to get advice from someone that actually does what they want to do. The best advice I got was from someone that was not a CPA. They were accountants. Hmm. And they basically, this is my um, my aunt's girlfriend, love her to death, and she told me everything that she wished she would have done. Gave me the whole plan. Literally, I followed it to a T because I can follow directions. So, followed it to a T. <laughs> and so she told me, you know, no, you're going to get your degree in accounting. You're going to go straight into your master's program. Your master's program, you're going to major in something differently because you do not want to be pigeonholed and only be able to do accounting, mm -hmm. right? You are a black woman. We need to make sure that they can place you anywhere. You do not want any type of barriers. So she said, make sure you get your master's in something different. I will try to get something that's dealing with forensic accounting. Forensic accounting is paying the most amount of money right now. And then in your master's program, you are going to study and take your CPA examination. Yeah. Do not wait until you finish your master's. Do not wait until you are a public accountant. You will not have the time to do it. And, and I had a son, right? So I already had a kid. So I'm in college. I have this baby already. And she's like, this is what you're going to do. Follow it to a T. So finished um, school, ended up losing my grandmother during my master's program. And that just really just made me just like grind harder. Because she was she was such a, um, a learner. Mm. Like she was just like she read books she wrote books she spoke spanish like she's always spoke to us in spanish like she was was such, she hispanic no she just was, i don't know why i still to this day have no idea what me abuela <laughs> me abuela <laughs> <laughs> 
Spanish. But you know, and so like we, our cars would be in Spanish. You get her Mother's Day card in Spanish. Like it was just what it was, right? Yeah. And so, and so I, um, I was trying to study in my house, and it was just too much, right? I got kids, not working, right? So I, I went to my grandmother's house to study mm-hmm. for the CPA exam. When I was in my master's program, I swear I felt, her, I felt her spirit. Like I felt it, and I'm like, I was like, okay, grandma, we got this. We're gonna get this. And so, Norm, um, 2013, I lost her. 2013, uh, took the CPA exam in 2013, passed the exam, graduated at the end of 2013, went, um, you know, worked this job where I learned sales. I was just just doing something in between time. Um, found out it was kind of like a sketchy job, so I don't tell people about it. But I learned sales, and I hmm. learned. I learned sales and I learned about business psychology. Cause every, a lot of times we look at jobs as failures mm-hmm. when really you were only supposed to be there to gather something, yes. right? You were supposed to extract something out of it. So that job, even though it was like a Ponzi scheme type thing, uh, I learned sales, I learned psychology. I learned the difference from so, for example, so we sold makeup, right? Mm-hmm. So makeup. I'm trying to figure out how how deep can we go? Yeah. So, I, so we. So yeah. No, I was, it was it was a company. It was a company that was claiming that they were doing marketing for like another company when okay. really they owned all the stuff that we was marketing. So they owned it, but they were acting like they didn't own it. Mm. And then they said that you would do this. It was a whole bunch of stuff like that, right? Because the investigator in me was like, something is this city, right? Is right? that why you knew? Like you knew, but most people in the in the company 100%. didn't realize it. Okay. Because mm-hmm. something, because something, the first meeting I had with them, something didn't sit right with me. Because at this point, I, I have a, I have a bachelor's in accounting, I have an MBA in finance, and I have an MBA in financial fraud examination and management. Mm-hmm. So our, we were taught by Chicago police officers, right? We saw deals. I was taking, a, I took fraud classes, so I already am abreast, right? I like, so I'm like this. I'm seeing red flags. Mm-hmm. Things are. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking for documents. They're not coming up. I'm looking for certain things. Y'all, y'all are mentioning certain people, but I can't find these people. I can't mm-hmm. see. So, so that's what that was, right? Yeah, yeah. Spidey um, senses. Spidey senses. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Chicago in me was just <laughs> was screaming out, right? You know, I'm like something's not right. So. So, but the, but the psychology that I learned from it, so we sold makeup, right? We sold makeup, we sold makeup brushes, and we sold um, flat irons, okay? So, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to get the flat irons. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I can get these flat irons off, right? Not selling no flat irons. I'm not selling no, and I'm like, what? And so we, um, so one of the team, um, one of the team members, she was killing it, right? Mm. Um, Linda, kill, killing it. Like, and I'm like, what is it that she's doing? So she sees me struggling by the grace of her heart. She's like, okay, you're gonna follow me for the day. Love this girl dearly. So I'm like, okay, bam. So I go in my little store, I do my little script, you know, bam, you know, like we have the makeup bags, they're um, they're ten this bag is ten dollars, and then we have the brushes that are ten dollars, mm-hmm. and then you know, we also have a deal where you know the flat irons are only twenty dollars today, right? So I was like, ten, excuse me, nobody's buying it nobody's minding like they looking at me and I'm just like okay come on what's what's going on the practice script what what's going on right so then go because we because what you do is you go business to business you mm-hmm. walk into businesses and you just try to sell you know stuff you're soliciting yeah. super illegal like you're not <laughs> supposed to be doing that. right you are not supposed to be walking into businesses trying to sell to the employees stuff like that's just not what it is but that's what we're doing so Linda goes in you know super preppy like blonde hair she's like walking in like 
Hi everybody, um, you know, we have a special today and I want to tell you all about our special just for you all, right? So now they in it, right? I didn't mm -hmm. even come in like that. I'm like, now nah, I'm so, what, what's the special? <laughs> we got a special? Okay, right, so now I'm in it, right? So she's like, yes, we have a special. Um, we have our makeup bags today for $20 and you get a free pack of brushes. They like a free pack of brushes. Can I see those brushes? They don't even care about the makeup bag. Can I see those brushes? Mm -hmm. They get the brushes, they look in the brushes, but they like, but what, we have another one. What's the other one? If you get these flat irons today for $40, only $40 for today, you get the makeup and the brushes for free. Yo. They like, what? They don't even look at the flat irons. Yo, give, let me see the makeup. Let me see the makeup. Pass that bag right there. Makeup, so I get, so if I buy that for $40, I get both of this for free. Forty dollars. Let me get my literally for everybody's. $40. Yo. So now we didn't left out. She did sold ten flat irons, ten bags of makeup, mm -hmm. and ten brushes. But by the same price. <laughs> same price. Because they're like, oh well, let me. I want. I want two of the of the flat iron bundle. I'm gonna just get this to somebody because I want the makeup. I want the free makeup and the free brushes, mm -hmm. right? You know, we went to this one thing. They say, well, I don't really do. Um, I don't really like the brushes. Oh, you can also get two bags of free makeup. That's lit. Lit. I was. I was forever changed. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole <laughs> I was mindset shift. Oh, entire mindset. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's when I learned psychology right? That business is psychology. And mm -hmm. if you can understand the psychology aspect of business, there's nothing you can do. That like, there's mm -hmm. nothing anybody can tell you that you cannot do if you understand, that's what I'm gonna say. There's nothing you cannot do if you understand business psychology. So then, so then I ended up leaving there and I got hired by a public accounting firm. Okay. So public accounting um, is, uh, you do, they basically it's big companies that do accounting, tax, audit, and stuff like that. I was an audit, so I was an external auditor when I first went into accounting. That's what most people are when they really started in public accounting, because if you are an external auditor, that gets you in the door, basically. Mm -hmm. So so I was an external auditor and I worked at a smaller firm. So because I worked at a smaller firm, we would get outsourced to other big entities. So I worked with the Deloitte's, the Ernst & Young's, Ruben Brown's, RSM's, like all of the big, you know, top 10 to top 25 accounting firms in America. I've worked with them because we would be outsourced on their projects. Mm -hmm. So I worked on really large contracts for uh for the city of chicago so i've audited the entire city of chicago the police department the fire department the city colleges um the department of human services i've audited um several casinos right for compliance things so i've audited entities as large as like nine billion dollars as small as three hundred thousand dollars yeah so i'm the person that you call when you want an audit so when i tell people i'm an auditor they think of like oh you work for the irs don't work for the irs external mm -hmm. auditors are you hire us to do your audit. So if you, for example, if you're a nonprofit and you receive money that's $300,000 or more, you're legally required to get an audit done. Mm -hmm. If you are a business period and you receive $750,000 or more in government funding, then you need to get a single audit, which is a compliance audit. If you are a business and you want to get investors, especially, especially large rounds of money and stuff like that, most of the time they want an audit done because an audit is a firm coming in, an independent firm, meaning that we have no connection with you. Mm -hmm. We've done we've done nothing in this business. And we come in and we, to sum it up, we assess your books and we make sure for the most part 
they're good, right? Mm -hmm. And it's called material misstatement. Mm -hmm. We're looking to see if you have any large mistakes and based off of how much money you make will determine on what a large mistake is. So it, so your books can have a couple errors in it and you can pass an audit, right? But if they have too many errors, now we're writing you some stuff and then depending on something, you're gonna just fail the audit and that's the worst right. thing. Oh my goodness. And so through that journey of working with smaller black nonprofits, that's when I started my side business because um, I noticed that a lot of the smaller black nonprofits that we really, really needed in Chicago were always be on the cusp of failing their audit. Or like, you know, they would just be messing up in ways that, that you I really just understand what they why they were messing up. Mm. So when I started like really, you know, um, asking questions and stuff, it was because their accountant wasn't teaching them. Their accountant would do the bookkeeping, they would do the accounting, but they were not telling them, you know, compliance things. Hey, you should be running payroll for yourself. Hey, you should have a, um, you should have a file cabinet with, you know, with your information in it. You should be scanning receipts. You should be keeping all your documents. You should be, you know, different things that I felt like that as an accountant, you should be telling your client, excuse me, they were not telling them. So because of that, I was like, it was a need. It was a need and then also um, I had a great boss uh, a partner who just told me just to go for it because I was I was getting you know people that wanted to work with me and I was turning them down yeah. and she told me I was crazy she was like girl if you don't get these clients and I'm thinking it's gonna be a conflict of interest because I'm working for this company and man you know um, shout out to Kimmy Ellen Kimmy was like and 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 Kimmy really taught me a lot right now we have other partners you know uh one of my other favorite partners tim you know he really taught you like the compliance aspect but what tim what kimmy taught me was to go for it and to be comfortable in your femininity at work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how did the femininity play a part in like what it is that you did like what so, was it showing up okay so 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 basically what kimmy realized was that with me being so when i first interviewed for the um for the job i was i was dressed okay just, just <laughs> <laughs> not like this it was even different oh, than that. i mean like um i got back to this it was more of this mm. type of essence error okay yes. so so i showed up a certain type of way yeah. you know to the interview that showed you exactly who i was as a human okay but then when i went on my clients i showed up toned down got yes. it you know so i felt like Oh, I need to, you know, I'm young, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the minority, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to these clients. I'm the only black person. Yeah. Right. I'm just, I'm on these teams and, 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 and you know, no, I, I had, I worked, I had great teams. Like I really enjoyed my work, but it's still psychologically I'm thinking, okay, is my hair too big? Okay. Is my hair going to be natural is, you know, there was one time where, you know, my hair was like this. I left the client. It was raining it, my hair got rained out. I had to get up super early the next day. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to wet it, get a little fro thing, go to work. And you know, great. I had a great relationship with this guy. I'm so glad I did. But he basically was like, yeah, I liked your hair more yesterday. Hmm. What was it like yesterday? It was this. Okay, it so got, it got rained on. Mm -hmm. So then I had to wet it to come in with like a curly afro, right? Okay, yeah. You know, and so to be at work 
and you have comments like that, you know, it's just a, it was a little who. So I started, you know, I'm still trying to understand because we say, you know, we so glad he was our friend. And I'm like, was, wait a minute. Hold on. No, I'm saying I was I was glad he was my friend because I knew it didn't come from a malicious place. OK, because immediately I received it. Like, yeah, how no. dare you? No, 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 no. It wasn't it wasn't malicious. So so and that's what I'm saying. I'm glad we were friends because if we weren't, I wouldn't have. Mm. I would have I would have took it like, whoa, are you is this a. You know, because I were I was in situations like that where there were moments where I was like, mm. but him in particular, it was just it was innocent. Got it. It was a you don't even know that this is just what happens to my hair mm -hmm. when it gets raining on. It was I literally told him what it was. He's like, what? I didn't even know that, that. he didn't even. Some people have never seen hair transform. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they de they've never witnessed. Right. It, so. Right. So it's, they just he just didn't know. And he, he that thought I stabbed. He thought I made the conscious effort to take all day or something. I don't know. But I, I loved him. <laughs> I love him dearly. But um, but basically, because of these little incidents and because of different things, I started dumbing myself, not dumbing myself. Now I was dulling myself. Mm -hmm. I was I was showing up into my clients. I was not dressed how mm -hmm. my partner knew I would dress. Mm -hmm. Right. And then also because when I would come into the office with just our thing, I'm dressing like how I like to dress. And so it was basically um, an incident where um, I got invited someplace and she was like, she was like, oh, yes. And make sure you wear and make sure you wear dressing heels. And I'm like, this is the first time she ever gave me, because when I come into the office, I wear dressing heels. Okay. But I'm like, why would she make that, like, distinguishment? Why would she just really tell me? And then, and I, and so it, it stuck with me, but I just showed up like, okay, so you want me to show up like I show up in the office, basically, mm -hmm. right? So show up and stuff like that. Um, we ended up getting a contract. We ended up um, getting, like, some leads on some other contracts and stuff like that. And when I get back and stuff, she's like, I knew that was going to happen. You know, like, and so I'm like, what? And she's like, you, and basically, like, without her, that she never directly told me. It was always little slithers of just show up how you want to show up. Mm -hmm. How you show up regularly is how people are going to gravitate to you. Yeah. Right? And so, and so I'm like, so then through that, like, how I looked as a first-year auditor was completely different than what I looked at year three. Year three, I'm coming in like this. Yeah. I'm like, hello, everybody. Yes, we are. Yes, we're, yes, I'm Lauren. We are ready. We're getting ready to start today. This is, this is, this. I'm stopping by the offices. I'm just, I'm just starting conversation. I don't even need nothing from you right now. I'm just saying hello, Got blah, blah, blah. E every woman is complimenting me in my outfits. Everyone loves how I dress. Mm -hmm. I'm able to get documents fast. I ha I've built relationships. I have partners from other really large firms personally requesting me for their audits like i want lauren you can have another person but i i want lauren right yeah. so i'm i'm being like personally requested right and and it's and it's really just helping me just feel more secure as myself yeah because i was dulling myself down at first and now because of um you know just because of these slight comments that my partner was making it made me want to show who i was in the office when i went out to the clients because when i was with the clients 90 percent of the time yeah i was only in the office 10 to 20 maybe 20 if it's a slow year but i was gone yeah you know on site at clients but no she really taught me to just really sit in myself and so then um being in public accounting you know i'm auditing all these different entities and stuff like that and i had the pleasure of meeting um the cfo of one of my clients and did i know he's the cfo when i first met him we um we met in the elevator 
And he just started talking to me, and I'm just like, hey, okay, you know, we on the same, whatever. Is this one of your side business clients no, no, or your corporate client? Corporate client. This is I'm CFO at, of your corporate yes, client. Of, mm. of, 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 a, of a client. This is what I'm auditing now. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the CFO of a firm that I'm auditing, okay. right? Billion dollar entity, mm-hmm. auditing them. CFO, um, you know, tall black guy, funny and stuff like that. So we're just talking, and then I realized he was the CFO when um, I had to go into one of the meetings. So at this point, we weren't we weren't going to certain type of meetings. We would go to our meetings and deal with our stuff, but certain higher level meetings we weren't invited to. And so I did not know until I went to this meeting that he was a CFO. And I'm like, I knew I had a flight, because I look at pictures, so I'm like, I thought he looked familiar, but I never had called his name. So he ended up asking me to lunch, right? So go to lunch, get, get permission first, because you know, we're auditing them, independence, partner, okay, it, go to lunch, sitting there he's like asking me all these questions about like what my future looks like and my dream and I'm just like oh I want to be this and I want to be a partner of this firm and you know I'm just like super excited about you know what I'm going to do in the future and I'm just like sitting there he's like no (laughs) no you're not going to do any of that I'm just like (laughs) I'm not okay what like because because when i talk to other people this is like big everything i said they're like what you want to do all that so he's like no but at this point he had been a cfo at like you know billion dollar publicly traded companies this was not his first go round, right you know what i'm saying he was the cfo of like a gas company of a of a big product company now he's over here so you know so i i'm not no fool right and I, I never, my feelings don't get hurt. If somebody tell me something, I'm not the type of person where I'm so committed to an idea or a dream mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm stuck with it. So my feelings, I was a little bit like, oh, mm-hmm. but then it intrigued me, right? Like, so what that's am I going to do? What, yeah. So I'm just like, so, so I basically was like, well, okay, well then what do you think, right? So he basically tells me like, you're going to leave this firm. Yep. You're going to go work for a publicly traded company. You are going to work in the internal audit department at that company. You'll be there for a little while. You're going to leave. You're going to work at a different publicly traded company in a different industry and entity. You're going to transfer an internal audit, and then you're going to leave that department, and you're going to move to another department so that you can get a better skill set um, so you could be a true leader. Literally within before. within a corporate space. Within a corporate, well, see, it was. Um, I told him he was just saying true leader. Period. Mm. Because I always, I always knew I wanted side stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a thousand percent sure if I was going to be a full time entrepreneur. Mm. But I always, I always knew that I wanted that I wanted side things. Yeah. That, that was always there. And so he was just saying how, you know, me doing this would really basically add to my arsenal, right? And then him being a black man in corporate. He was able. He had a completely different perspective for me. He's like, and, and and one one of the things I feel like has has been consistent in my journey is people telling me like, if you do this, nobody can say no. Nobody can say you can't do this. Nobody can say you don't have experience with this. So he's like, and then he also told me the main reason why he told me to do what I do is so that I could have a bigger impact on on the world. He was like, if you stay at this accounting firm, how many people can you help? He was like, I've helped thousands of people. I've helped thousands and thousands of people. I'm able to make that type of change, right? So he was like, you're supposed to do really, really big things in life. So at this point, I had only talked to him like in the in the elevators and stuff. So I'm like, you don't even know me. Like, you like, you don't even know me. And one of the things he said was, because I'm like, well, how, like, what makes you think I can do all of this, right? Because at this point, I realized that the big dream that I had wasn't that big. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, you know, 
running like you know a multi-million dollar entity and stuff like that is good and then working my way up to a billion dollars and stuff he's talking about like straight up giving me like a whole billion dollar plan right you know telling me what he feels like i can do by myself yeah and so and so i'm asking him like so he's i asked him like what makes you think that and he just told me based off of different conversations we had mm. and then also the the fact that i was okay with you know, having conversation with him, approaching him. He was like, you know, being a, a CFO, a lot of people are afraid to talk to you. You know, he's like, I have staff that turn the other way, they look down, you know, they don't really pay attention to me. He's like, you just come into my office, you just say whatever you need, it's whatever. Like, there's no, there's no like, oh, I'm this and you're that, right? So mm -hmm. just based off of that and different conversations that we had, he just felt like I was thinking too small. And he told me what to do and I did just that. I left that company, I loved, that accounting firm, right? I'm still in contact with accounting firm. I'm literally like crying in my boss's office because I know I have to do this for myself. And I don't want to do it, but I know I got to do it. So we're literally like, boo, I've never, yeah. me and me and the partner, right? We're like crying, mm -hmm. you know, cause I know I have to do this. I leave there and do exactly what he said. Went to a public accounting firm, uh, worked in the internal audit department, um, you know, really helped them implement new things, structure new things, um, really like really help with the whole developing the relationships, the, that whole business psychology, behavioral psychology type thing, left there, um, actually tried to be a full-time entrepreneur for a little bit, realized that, you know, to be a full-time entrepreneur, you really need a really good sales background, mm -hmm. right? And I wasn't, I wasn't ready to be that uncomfortable yet. And being a full-time entrepreneur had really stressed me out, like physically stressed me out. Mm -hmm. So then I go back and to corporate, was in love with my, um, with my last company, uh, started an internal audit, uh, and then, you know, really enjoyed that, traveled the world with the company. Um, I already was a traveler before then, so when they told me that we was going to be going to all these places, I'm like, <laughs> I already got my passy, I already have global <laughs> entry. I'm like, we don't even literally walk it with, like, okay, so I'll see you on the other end. I have global entry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready to go, okay. You know, really loved it, and then um, life happens, yeah. right? You know, um, I've had some impactful losses in my life mm -hmm. that have showed me how we don't have time, right? So I told you my grandmother, she passed away in 2013, rocked me, like completely to my core. I'm still not right since then. Um, but really working on it, right? Because because before she left, I really felt like that she wanted to lay certain foundations. She, she gave me orders before she left. She told me different relationships I needed to work on, how I needed to, you know, put put myself first, mm -hmm. put my, my health first, right? Because she passed away from cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, um, understanding the importance of mental health, right? So she, she really left gems for me. And then and um, a couple years ago, my mother got into a car accident. This car hit her, totaled it. She started having like physical ailments from it, really messed up her hips. Then um, my father passed away and that really like shook everything, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, the top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. I found myself having to explain to a company 
why I wasn't communicating more with them during a term of loss, right? And it's like, I love, love the company, but just something about having to communicate with a company while you're figuring out the burial plans for your father. It was just a little like, I knew then I was never gonna be in that predicament again. I said, I will never lose a parent and have to worry about communicating enough with the company. Mm -hmm. I told you my father passed away. And he was sick, so I had already warned, like they already knew, like what are we doing? So I, I was like, mm, that didn't sit well with me. So then COVID happens and everything. I end up switching to a different department. And now at this point, my mother has gotten so bad that she has to have double hip surgery. Mm -hmm. So she has her first hip done, completely underestimated how much help she was gonna need. Like, cause my mom, she's thick, okay? Like she, she only had one. You don't, did not understand. Mm -hmm. Had no idea. So, so when it was time for her um, second hip surgery, um, to sum it up, I put my sick time in, you know, let my manager know, like, hey, you know, put my sick time in, you know, my mom got to get that, that second hip done. And, you know, I really should have took the time off with the first hip, but I didn't. So I just need, I think it was just like two days. I just needed to, because it was right after her surgery. And that's when she really needs the most help, help is for two to three days. And he did not approve it. Did not approve my sick time. Ended up having a conversation with him later basically told me that you know he didn't approve it because it wasn't personal sick time and because I wasn't sick and I need to use vacation time and it did not sit well with me it did it and then there were other things in life that was happening right mm -hmm. like personal things that I would never wish on anybody so right. so I have basically like mayhem yeah. going on in my personal life and I'm just literally just asking you to, for these two days off that I can get because I was internal audit so I audited this I already knew it was in the policy yeah. you I can legally put in sick time yeah. to take care of my mother and you're telling me I can't nah it sounds like um, over the years your relationship with corporate America has like transformed at different points like when I think back to when um, you started having like nonprofit clients who wanted your help and mm -hmm. Kimmy's like, yes, go, go do it. And you're like, wait a minute, your identity starts to shift where we are always representing the corporation and that's just who we are and we feel bad for taking on more clients when we're like, no, now I have multiple clients. So your first, not, not first, but from what I've heard, but your first like shift in identity in the corporate space was like Kimmy giving you like that okay. Mm -hmm. um, it also sounds like your relationship with corporate as it stands with like your identity in terms of femininity um, has a lot to do with how you brought yourself to work. How you thought you probably had on tan suits, the little, the little Calvin Klein joints looking real corporate-like. And then she's like, no, embrace yourself. Mm -hmm. So coaching you to kind of be yourself then and even em embracing more of your identity going all the way to your interaction with the CFO and helping you see that you're, the way you interact, the way you move in this corporate space is much bigger than what a lot of us actually do is the third notch. But this right here, like this right here, oh, like I can't take sick time. It sounds like that's one of those like reality checks or shall I say like camel, uh, what do you call it? Straw that broke the camel's yeah. back in terms of you identifying who who am I in relation to this corporation mm -hmm. and then being able to like branch out and truly go out and, and try full-time entrepreneurship again again yeah and, and also and also I've I, I don't know if I would have 
took that jump if my father didn't pass away? I don't know because, okay, because when I was in public accounting, we used to work crazy hours, right? Like, they don't really tell you the type of hours. I mean, the average day is 10 to 12 hours, mm -hmm. right? And I have a child. So, and then, and then even when you, when you, when you're, when you come home, like you, sometimes on the weekends you're doing stuff. So for, you know, almost four years, I was for the most part working anywhere between 10 to 12 hours. So then I went to, um, when you started going to internal audit, now you have normal, you have 40 hour weeks. I'm mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> I can get used to this. <gasps> First week we had to do like 47. My manager's like, thank you so much for your hard work and your extra support. I was like, this work? Nothing. This I eat this for lunch. What? <laughs> I was cooking for my baby working on this project. You don't even know. So um, so you know, so I saw I was able to get more freedom. I was able to get more time and stuff. And so, and so, but I remember, I remember then after leaving public and talking to people in public, and they're complaining about the hours, right? Like, yeah, I had to, you know, this one guy said that during his reception to his wedding, he was working. Hmm. And I was just like, that is insane. Mm -mm. I would not. What? And she stayed with you? I would have never. Like, <laughs> you know, like, what? I'm like, but I mean, I guess you know what it was. But, um, and so, and it, I understood, like, it was like we were, like, brainwashed. Yeah. You know, and to just, like, you know, it was at one point where it was like, well, I worked 50 hours. Only 50. I did 57. 57. I did 72. And it was like, this is insane that we're literally, and I'm just looking at these people are crazy. It's different accountants. They can't pass the CPA exam because they're working crazy hours mm -hmm. and they're not able to study the way they need to or they're not buying the stuff that they need to and so I'm realizing how all of all of the little gems I was getting was making more sense but then my father my father like he on his birthday his birthday in August he, you know he he had like several heart attacks in one day ended up going to the hospital got diagnosed with congestive heart failure they told him you know he would be lucky to make it a year he didn't even make it that right um passed away same year mm -hmm. and so you know and then and then the it, it was like he knew like like reflecting back who reflecting back on the conversations it was like he knew he was sicker than what he was and you know it's just like you don't get that time back and you really think like that you know time is this and you have whatever but the fact that I couldn't just work and just be with my dad, you know, and like, and like we had, we had, our relationship wasn't the best growing up, but we were great, you know? So it's like, we're amazing right now. You're like, we're, we're so good. We're like, come on, like, what? You can't know, mm -hmm. D, like, we just got, and so it was like, you, and, and then the, the, the way, the fact that I had to, you know, communicate, they're like, you know, we we didn't hear from you for five days. Okay, well, I get five days after a parent passed away. No, you get three, and you have to get manager's permission for the second for the mm. extra two. And it's like at that because he passed away around Thanksgiving. You know, the um, if we ha we were having issues with the death certificate, you can't bury somebody if they won't sign off the death certificate. Like it was so many things. Like like the family is not really helping. Like my family. Um, my mother's side of the family, like they're helping in. It was just, it was a lot. And so to not be able to just enjoy that time, I was like, I'm not like, I can't, that whole situation, I said, I won't be in that. 
And therefore, for all of that to happen and for my mom's, you know, body to start deteriorating because of this car accident. And now, I mean, now she got both. She got two new hips. She moving. Okay. She got these. She was just out the other day. I said, girl, you know this? Girl, she's like, you know, I, I can't wear the high heels yet. You know, my hips. So, um, you know, like she, she out there. She out here. Okay. Yes. She's a new woman. But I know I, it was just like, I, I just, I was like, I don't want to feel this. Mm. I don't want something to happen to my mama and I got to think about putting in time. Mm -hmm. You know, you can move clients. You can move around. So it, it was like I like the core. I was really a, I loved my company. I really did. Like there was. But those two incidents, you know, the time off with my father and the time off with my mom. Yeah. You know, it's like we like I started to think, like, what are we living for? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you how do you want to look back on your life? And then like talking to my father where he understands that he only has so much time and I see him processing what he's done with his life and all of the regrets that he has mm-hmm. because he thought he had more time. You know, he's in his 50s. Like he th- he thought he had more time. He thought he was going to be able to do these different things that he always dreamt to do that he pushed back. And then it made me think about, you know, talking to him. It made me think about things I was pushing back, the things that I really wanted to do, right? The things that I really knew I could do, but I was I thought I had so much time. Mm. Are you doing some of those things now? A hundred percent. Tell me more. What was what you doing? Jump. The first thing I did was I quit my job. Yeah. I quit. I quit and, and the, the last time I quit my job, I was like not prepared. And I told myself, like, Lauren, <laughs> we're not gonna do that again. I was less prepared this time. I, but but because of COVID, I'm like, my car was paid off, you know, um, student loans is paused, like, you know, um, you know, a property is is renting. I'm getting, you know, like it's you know, I'm like, when else am I gonna quit? When else am I gonna jump? And then also I was um I, I was studying. Right. I, I found myself, you know, uh, you know, watching a lot of YouTubers and different like YouTube channels, like li- these different interviews and stuff with people and realizing that the like that none of these people had more knowledge than me, more education than me, more connections than me. It was just that they jumped. Mm-hmm. They jumped. They just took it. Right. You know, and that's I had did that because, you know, a lot of times when you're a corporate, you become so like, you know, analytical. And it's like, no, I have to have this much saved up. And 100 percent before <laughs> I can leave in two years, I got to go. And then you have this whole thing. And especially like with my Enneagram five. So I was like, <laughs> oh, like I had researched. I had wrote it out in several different formats. I had an Excel. I had everything. And mm. but the the gut. So one thing, one thing I started, you know, with with the with my father getting sick was really um it really made me be you know sit more in my faith right sit more in my faith and understand that you know what's supposed to happen is is going to happen but you have to recognize the signs you have to understand that you know whoever your higher being is that they're speaking to you and you need to identify that right so so and so the the thing when my father happened the thing when my mom happened you know i'm watching these youtube videos and i'm like you know all these people they just jumped they just did it and and then now covid everyone's complaining about covid but all your bills are paused Right, you can't pay a bill because you quit your job. All you gotta do is call and say COVID, and they gonna pause it. Mm-hmm. When other time are we gonna be able to do that? So quit my job and literally have just been following the signs. Yeah, right, following the signs. Um, I already was working with a cannabis dispensary. 
something told me to, you know, just get more, you know, educated in it. Um, got into this course. I'm like a course queen. I bought probably every course <laughs> or know someone that bought the course and took it with them. Um, so, you know, it's like that learner. I'm such a, I'm a knowledge sucker. Yeah. Okay. I'm like a leech for knowledge. If you know something, I'm like, yep, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And what else? And what else? And then so I just love it. So I bought this course and I'm like, maybe I'm supposed to do this and stuff. And then, you know, time passes. And I get the opportunity to basically like, you know, work with a cannabis dispensary in a completely different manner than I ever would have thought, right? You know, I'm watching different YouTubes and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I felt like these are certain people that I'm supposed to be working with. And now I'm like working with them. You know, they're um, watching different things and and, and thinking like, I, I want this type of client. Right. Mm -hmm. I want this type of relationship with a client and to be able to have that. Right. You know, I have I have a client in London and one of my favorite clients, the relationship that we have is just so like unique and genuine. And it's and it, and it feels like I'm more than a CFO. Like I'm really like when when she's having a hard week, she calls me and I and I get her through that. And so and so to have to be able to work with people that I've always wanted to work with, to have type of relationships that I've always wanted to have, mm -hmm. you know, it was just, I'm just listening to the signs. If something tells me, buy this course, I'm buying this course. If something tells me, go to this um, event, I'm gonna go to the event. If something tells me, DM this person, right? You know, literally, the, the whole cannabis thing just happened from me looking at someone's story, clicking on a name, looking in the caption, I mean, looking in their bio and stuff. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they do da 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 da. Yeah. They see synergy in what we do, and then then we ended up having you know a lunch meeting. Next thing you know, I'm you know in another state on business. You know, <laughs> looking you know a meeting with the dispensary owners. So you know, it's just it's just you know everything. Even 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 you know how how I was able to you know meet you. Yeah. Right. You know, it was literally something just told me, okay, you. You know you need to join you know you, you you don't have a job right now you need a morning routine you know um you've heard about this morning meetup thing yeah we need it we need a morning routine right that's all i wanted to do i just need a morning routine i needed a reason to get up at a certain time yeah and and then i'm like you know i like to listen to things on 2x speed so i'm listening to the morning meetup while i'm walking while i'm stretching while i'm doing yoga while i'm cleaning up while i'm cooking for my baby different things like that but just you know just listening and, and then like you had said something something was like you have to talk to her like literally and so i'm just just following it any anytime i, I always say i think it's like my ancestors talking to me and they like lauren girl because i'm a little hard-headed that's what they used to call me growing up like lauren is hard-headed and i'm like no i'm not um but i was a little bit but no i really just take it as like it's my ancestors it's my grandmother it's my mm. stepfather it's my dad it's my great-grandmother you know they're just telling me it so i just go with it i don't yeah. question it if it's like you need to like something about her is gravitating you to her so you need to just say something instead of i don't know why maybe i should think it's crazy maybe I should, mm -hmm. i'm so glad you did and as you were talking um it reminds me of like how we connected and how we had our first conversation i mean i now i really remember the dm like verbatim and we got on the call mm -hmm. and one of the first things that you said to me like as you went to tell your story which i hope you can tell this story now mm -hmm. is you were like you know people would tell me i have a uh, a an odd background like like that the, the back a lot of black people don't have this background is what you said to me mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have this background and i didn't realize the value of it until now now as we listen to your story 
we hear that you're well read and you're like an expert in like finances from a corporate perspective, from a from a education perspective, um, and even from a lived experience. Um, but I and I know a lot more about that lived experience. But when you said this, you were hinting on like the financial like wealth management of your family mm -hmm. that that a lot of black people don't experience. Yeah. So would you share a little bit more about like? that that sense one that people say like hey you you don't you don't have the same background as a lot of black, a lot of black people and how you came to that that conclusion for yourself yeah so um so so going back to when i decided i couldn't do pre-med anymore and my mother asked me what i wanted to do and i was like money right like it was like <laughs> clear as day i was always good with math money like it was so and so that's because honestly that's because of my grandfather my dad's dad mm -hmm. and my grandmother mm -hmm. and then my grandmother my um well yeah a little bit of my grandma too she was a boss as well but my mother so my mother and my dad's dad um if it wasn't for them I have no idea who I would be today. Um, so I grew up, and, and I and I just I just realized literally in the last two years that this is not normal, right? That's what I was telling you. So I grew up splitting my time between Chicago and Mississippi. So my grandfather, born and raised in Mississippi, um, at the age of 18, moved to Chicago, became a Chicago police officer, bought a multi-unit building, and then started just buying buildings, ended up becoming like a developer, started developing stuff. Um, at one point owned like several hundred doors, right? So we would take, my grandparents would take me and my sister and we would be in the country of Mississippi and where we got we got horses we got cows we got catfish in the pond I'm like why we got catfish I don't know we <laughs> fishing it's just a little pond like I just I really I just don't understand it when I was young you know we don't have cable we don't have we don't have internet mm -hmm. you know we watching what love got to do with it fifth eleven times <laughs> you know it, it's, that's what grandma got on the tv that's and that's who we're gonna be watching that's, that's the only vhs's we got in the back room all we got right. is forest numb what's love got to do with it like <laughs> temptations like literally so so that's how we spent our summers and then um one summer i told my grandfather i wanted a horse so we had we had because we had horses and i'm like i want a horse granddaddy he's like sure thing so i'm thinking like y'all must get the horse no, it was not like that. He was like, okay, so make sure you're up and ready at five in the morning. I'm like, five? What's going on? He literally goes and takes me to work on a, on a house. He's like, if you want a horse, you need to work for it. Okay. So go, so now I'm like, I'm throwing away the garbage. I'm um, assembling cabinets. But I had already did this before because my mother redid her entire house with her father because he was he did rehab work okay. so i've already put together cabinets i've already done these type of things so this isn't like my first go around they like oh you know how to read the instructions yeah give me a little can i get the phillips screwdriver right they're like you know what the phillips is because my mother was like look we need to we are going to put these cabinets together mm -hmm. we are going to redo this kitchen the bathroom entire house we we did it ourselves right so I'm working for the horse and you know I do I guess enough work for me to call this horse my own even though it wasn't my own and me and my grandfather we would talk business we would talk I remember he was telling me how he had um, these two large bonds in GM and was telling me about the interest he was getting paid on the bonds and I was like what and then he was talking about how he wasn't gonna um, he was gonna cash them out he wasn't gonna renew them because the interest rate was lower and then he was gonna use the money to go buy some medical stock and, um, and he just had some medical stock but they didn't do what they wanted to do so I just remember being like 10 like okay so I need I need bonds 
because they pay interest. I don't know what interest is. And <laughs> I don't even know what the bond is. And I need stock because they just give you money. Like, this is a, like, so. That was a mindset. That was a mindset. How old were you? I was 10. Mm-hmm. I was 10. I was 10 years old. And that was just like what it was. Cause, because also my mother, she always she always wanted to start a business. So I remember when, when she wanted to open up this daycare. So she printed out everything you needed to do to open up the daycare. And I read it with her. So I was in like third grade third fourth grade you know nine ten ish when i remember reading like okay so if you have kids that are between the ages of zero to two they need this much space for each baby mm -hmm. but then the older the kid is the less space you need allocated per child also found out that if you are a daycare that you have to have access to a playground mm. right so i'm reading all these like rules and regulations and what you have to do to even like get things my mom she wanted to patent some stuff so we was looking up how to do patents and she wanted to do trademarks so i'm like at home in chicago talking about patents and trademarks and licensing and then i go to mississippi and you know we have cows and horses and we're um you know building on land and stuff talking about bonds and stocks yeah. and so I lived in a family where we talked about money. We talked about businesses. We talked about money. Like, you know, a lot of things that people complain that they've never learned and talked about, I learned directly from something like that. Um, the school I went to, we, we learned business, different stuff. You know, the high school, I remember talking about business. So, so it was just in me because mm -hmm. that's just what, if you go, if you go to the east side of Chicago, any of my family members house, we're talking business. We're either talking about buying real estate, we watching real estate, we trying to start some new business. My mom still want her methadone clinic. Mm -hmm. um, she, you know, she she's been in real estate. Uh, when my stepfather passed away, you know, he had a will. He had a will, and he had retirement. He had money left over. So not only was he able to leave money to the family, he left enough for my mom to be able to go and buy her first real estate property. Right? The, she bought this property around 2002 she still has it almost 20 years later and then ended up um you know by the grace of god you know the the mortgage people just like gave her the house she had stopped paying on it due to like the recession and stuff mm -hmm. the mortgage people just gave her the house she um so she had no mortgage on it had always paid her insurance the house ended up catching on fire Mm -hmm. She got paid out. Now she's converting the house to another thing, you know, so we, we always talk business. So I was getting um, I was getting a certification um, through Cornell University. And so uh, I did a couple of them, but one of them in particular was called like the the woman's something right women's so it's specifically for women right and so you're like in these classes and you know you're um you have like these uh like you have to do like discussion boards and like we have like you can join like live things and they have questions and stuff and some of the things we had to talk about was you know things that inhibited us okay. and so and so i'm in this course with like hundreds of women and most of the women are saying how you know they never talked business you know mm -hmm. no one told them that they could be a businesswoman. no one told them that they could be a ceo mm -hmm. no one told them about money no one told them about finances no one told them about those different things and so being in this program i'm like what you wasn't talking like I'm literally like confused at this point like wait y'all wasn't talking about stocks and bonds when you was 10 years old yeah. your mama never was talking about business <laughs> like my mom wants to start every business like uh. to the point today I'm like what happened to all those businesses Chandra where are all the businesses she, she got some of them now but I'm like we were supposed to she I had to stop wearing something because she was gonna patent it I'm still holding it. Where are you going to patent it? I wanted to wear that to I that dance the other day. I wanted to carry that. I had, I had 
came up with this kind of like bad contraption thing that she stole from me because she's gonna patent it um you know but it was so it was through it was through the cornell university program you know where i'm exposed to all these different women and the classes were great but i really was able to understand that i didn't have the same issues or the same in a bit like i didn't have the same barriers as other people mm -hmm. and so it was through that program where my wheels really started to churn where it was like why why don't you just jump you've been you've you've been groomed to do this right wow you this know. is another word that's telling you to jump jump mm. and so because you know in sales you learn that someone has to see you seven times before they want to make the purchase right that's the average thing right mm -hmm. and then for some reason it seems like the same when you gotta listen to <laughs> <laughs> like, like they've been telling you to go, go, go all this time and now you finally did it. Finally, finally did it and have literally been like just going with it, right? I read um, I read this book because it was signs. If, if I see a book more than once, I go and listen to it. So it's Who Not How. And so I, I read the book Who Not How. And then I also like, uh, like read this other thing. And it basically said like, the successful people just decide that they're going to do it and they don't think about how it's going to get done, mm -hmm. right? A lot of times we get stuck in the how, right? Mm. You know, if you say that you want to go, you want to go out of town, your first thing is how am I going to pay for it? How am I going to da 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 But if you just say I'm going to do it and then you just book it mm -hmm. and if there's some extra stuff and you just like, we're going to figure it out. Like mm -hmm. it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to us. So, so I through through the little gems and through the little you know the keep sayings of the you know i got the you know you need to be yourself people gravitate to you just be yourself so now i'm now, I'm, now I'm more comfortable with myself to the point when i meet the cfo and he sees this mm -hmm. in me right and so then he tells me that thing and then i go see you know and then i'm in the you know my grandmother saying stuff and you know and 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 now i'm in public and you know uh it's just all these little things were just telling me like you are not really like anybody around you and you're supposed to go some other place. So, and then I go to the other place, I'm like, ah, and then finally really with the being in that program and seeing all these women, you know, and I understand why they're afraid to jump because yeah. you, you didn't, but I don't have any of the barriers y'all have. Mm -hmm. I have none of them. I mm -hmm. have none of the barriers. What is holding me back? Mindset. Yep. I think that you're, I think you're saying like what, what you're experiencing, there's so many people who aren't taking their jump yet, that who haven't taken their jump yet. And then those who do, they, they shortchange themselves. Mm -hmm. So like in your journey, not only did you leap, but I can say from just watching you, you're doing it well. Mm -hmm. Because like some people go out into, into entrepreneurship from corporate. I'm, and I'm only talking about going from corporate to entrepreneurship where you have a $200,000 um, education debt or less or more, um, right? And then you have this experience with working on multi-million dollar, billion dollar accounts where you know what you're doing and then you take this leap and then you start shortchanging yourself for $27 a package, right? You have literally not only leaped, but you've done it successfully. And so I'm curious, like, I know we got the seven, the seven uh, knocks on the door to tell you to get up out of there. Yes. Um, and I think over the years, you've started to learn your value as a woman, um, as a black woman um, and tapping into your femininity. But then when we get to this mindset shift, mm -hmm. there's somebody who hasn't taken that leap. So what was it to get? I get we already hear like mm -hmm. what it was that like got you to, to take the leap. 
But if I can think about one seed that could be planted because nobody's going to have like the same experiences as you, Mm -hmm. what would that seed be that unlocks someone who literally can go out there and do the exact same thing? They just don't know it yet. I would say what helped me, that one thing that really helped me with my mindset was listening to the people around me that I trusted. Not people that necessarily I knew, right? But um, like people that I thought were really doing something and they were telling me something about myself. So for example, um, I went to, it's, it's about investing in yourself, right? I always have been a person that understood and because I'm a learner, right? I'm a knowledge sucker. So to me to spend a couple thousand dollars for a conference, I don't even bat an eye. Mm-hmm. So I'm so I'm I'm paying to be in certain rooms with certain individuals who either I mentally think are above me or are, you know, doing better than me in some way, shape, or form, and I can gather information from them. Mm-hmm. And when those people tell you certain things, you need to listen. And so with me listening to these people, I noticed that Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank you all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast. And thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode. It was uh, people who never met each other were saying the same things to me, mm. right? So when, when you meet this one person and they're saying something in Chicago and they know you, and then you meet another person in Chicago that don't know you and they say something very similar. And then you go to this conference that you paid to in another state and you meet someone that says something similar. It's like, it was still another, still those seven knocks, but this way it was in a people seeing me for what I do. Because at this point, I really just, I was like, I'm a CPA, right? That was just, I'm a CPA, bam, right? And so people are telling me like, yeah, but you're not the normal CPA. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get, so first people telling me I'm not the normal CPA, right? That they, that they people have a certain idea of what a CPA is. And when they find out I'm a CPA, that's not it, you know? And then also people telling me, Um, what makes me different as a CPA and listening to that. And then also people telling me like, you're more than a CPA. I remember having several conversations with different people who told me that I was not an accountant, I was a CFO, right? But to me, I was like, oh, I'm thinking CFO is like a big term, right? I'm like, I'm not no CFO, da, da, da. So literally it was years before I actually realized like what you are really providing to your clients are, are CFO services. And so at the end, what made me really like stop lying to myself about it. Cause the first thing was first, it was like someone who was in the industry asked me like, what do I provide to my clients? I told them, they said, oh, so you provide CFO services. I'm like, no, I don't. I just provide accounting. They're like, no, that sounds like CFO services. Talk to an actual CFO. Oh, so you provide CFO services. <laughs> no, I'm just, you know. And so then finally, I'm like in this program. I'm paying for this business coach. They're helping you like restructure your packages and stuff like that. And they ask me like, okay, so the top thing that you do for like your biggest client, what do you do? I tell them everything I do for my biggest client. And they're like, oh, okay, so CFO services. <laughs> what? So now I'm like, why do, why do, what is going on? And so literally me listening to the universe telling me because a lot a lot of times we have imposter syndrome right no matter like i'm a like i have 
three degrees. I'm a certified public accountant. And I still would have moments where I'm like, mm, I don't know if I have enough, right, to mm -hmm. hold myself as this. I don't know if I have enough to do whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But then when you put yourself in certain rooms where, you, where you're with people that you feel like are at a higher thing, and you realize that you're like killing it amongst them just mm -hmm. from like your knowledge your mm -hmm. background how you can move through a room you know mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't understand because i'm an introvert a lot of people don't even know i'm an introvert i don't know why i'm like <laughs> do you know the definition of introvert and extrovert because i could you know but because you know a lot of people compliment me on the way that i know how to talk to people because they're like you know you're an introvert i wouldn't expect this and stuff and so but i didn't even know that that was a skill set right i just thought you know I don't know. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think, I don't know, just being in Chicago. Like, that's it, just me. It's just. That's just what I do. That not even a, yeah. you might not even be thinking about it as a skill. You might be like, that might be a quirk of mine. <laughs> you exactly. might not even think about it's, the value. But it took people to say it, right? Mm. Once again, listening, because, mm. because a lot of times you can't see your strengths, mm. right? You only see what's bad. You only mm. see was, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you put that dress on and it's that one little spot mm -hmm. that you can just, you like this one little thing. Mm -hmm. And then you show it someone they're like, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. And you're like, you don't see this one little thing? They're like, well, one, you know, we don't see our strengths. We go straight to our weaknesses. Yeah. So just listening, listening to different people, different business coaches that I've paid, different programs I've invested in, you know, sitting and just being open. I, I talked to this one lady about how I wanted a PhD in education, right? and told her my whole thing once again someone else is telling me no she said no the entire idea is trash you need to go if you're going to get your phd you need to get a phd in accounting you can find a program that will not only waive your tuition they will pay you a stipend for you to go to school because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going back to school i'm going to oh gucci man got this line and say something about i got a girl with four degrees i'm like i can't wait i, <laughs> I love like, it I, <laughs> I love it the balance of you is so lit. And then the fact that you're able to take these plays and run with it, also lit. I am curious also about like, so actually as we bring this all together mm -hmm. and as we start thinking forward, four okay. degrees, got, got, um, yeah, yeah. What you, what did somebody say? Boss bougie ratchet, classy oh, bougie ratchet. Yes. What was somebody tell you the other day? Yes, it was <laughs> classy. It you know, you know the line. Bougie, yes, definitely. That's but that, all of that those. Line, yes. Line, yes. Well, one of the things that you said earlier was how the CFO told you that, no, I can see that you're going to have more impact, more impact. Mm -hmm. And um, on the thousands of people he's impacted, I can only see that extrapolating on your end. So one, what's that fourth degree? And then what type of impact do you see yourself making in the long run? Mm, okay, so my so the fourth degree um, that I'm going to get is going to be my PhD in accounting. I am going to get a PhD in accounting. So my whole, all of this is for me to get a school on the south side of Chicago. I've always had a dream of having a state-of-the-art school on the south side of Chicago with the best education, the best products, like, you know, like to learn from um, and, you know, great school spirit. I went to an amazing high school. We had a great football program. We, our homecomings were amazing. Like, like school spirit, you were excited to go to Morgan Park. Like mm. in Chicago, like they're like, oh, you go to Morgan Park. Cause it not only was a school for smart kids, cause I, I, I got accepted, accepted to the gifted program. Cause I even graduated high school early. Um, but it was the, you know, just this, 
Morgan Park was a vibe, right? And I didn't understand how much of a vibe it was till I left. Until you meet people and you're grown. Like still the same people are like, you went to Morgan Park? <laughs> really, y'all? This is so long. So my whole thing has always been to get a school. And through that journey with me telling various people that I want a school, and I don't talk about it too much because I already know what I got to do. But in the beginning, I would say it and they would be like, well, um, well, what are you going to do about the money? And what are you going to do about this? And you know that um, the number one reason why you like, you know, different schools, especially like black schools fail is because of funding, financing. So me getting the degrees I got was also strategic so that once I get my school, I know how to operate it. I can, I can, I understand the accounting. I understand the finance. I understand the fraud. And then the PhD in accounting is, that's what I'm going to learn theory. And my dissertation is going to be connected to accounting and the school system, right? Because with the lady I met, she taught me and she told me that you can do that. That what I thought a PhD in accounting was, was not what it was. And then not only would I be able to go to a great school mm -hmm. and not have to pay for this degree, I would be able to research something that's truly that's truly um, close to my heart and be able to use my dissertation to start to get funding for my school. Mm -hmm. So my whole goal is to build the knowledge and the network so that when it is time for me to start on this endeavor, I have everything that I need from, you know, people that I can come to actually work it to people that can help me to come up with the marketing plan. I'm not a person that believes in, you know, becoming the jack of all trades and the master of none. If you are a master at something, why would I take that away? You know, you, you really know how to connect with people in a way where they're able to think outside of the box and be like, you know, maybe I want to change my career, maybe, or maybe I am supposed to be in this, right? You know, it's a both, either you learn what you don't want to do, or you learn what you really do like and stuff like that. So I could just bring you on to talk to the kids. I could have you create a program where, you know, where people where, you know, if you don't know what the other side is, because everyone talks about entrepreneurship, but who's talking about corporate? Everyone's not supposed to be an entrepreneur. Why would I learn and say that myself? When I could mm -hmm. just bring you on. If I know someone that's great at funnels, I could just bring them on. So I'm like that with my business now. With my clients, I'm your CFO, but everything else that you need, I'm finding experts for you. I'm bringing them in. You need a CRM system. I'm bringing an expert in CRM system because I don't know about the CRM. What I can Google is not gonna help me build your CRM. Yeah. So my whole goal, and that was one of the, that was one of the last things that me and my grandmother talked about, was the school. We have the name for the school, and so that's one of the things that really drives me because I'm like I have to I have to get the school. And now it's not even you know because um, one of the newest books I'm reading right now is The Secret. I already know I have the school. It's not even that I have to get it. I know I already have it. And and once I really started feeling like that, I felt like more things have just started just to fall yeah, in place. Nice. In place. Yeah, because everything mm. is just everything is for the state of the state of our school, for black boys in particular. Yeah. You know, when I was pregnant with my son, reading the statistics that, you know, he had a greater chance of being in jail or deceased than graduating college did not sit well with me. You know, it was it was kind of like you are your your child is at a deficit and he's still in utero. He's still in the womb, you know, especially with the statistics of being a young parent and everything like that. It was just like, wow, you know, like because just being a black woman, you think about black women. Right. I never thought about black men until I had a black boy. Like I thought mm -hmm. about black men, but I didn't think about the disadvantages that they had 
that were worse than black women. I did not understand that being a black woman, it's easier for you. Mm. Even, you know, like you, you, you know it with the police, right? Like with my mm -hmm. friends, I don't let none of them drive when we with each other. Mm. I'm driving because I know the chances of us getting pulled over if I'm driving are lower. You mm. know, if you have dreads, you have to sit in the back. Mm -hmm. That's just what it is. Because if you are, if you are a black dark skinned man with dreads, you're sitting mm. in the back of my car because mm. you are going to increase our chances of getting pulled over. Mm. Right. And this is just what it is. My friends love me because I'm like, I take everything. I'll drive your car, everything. So, so, but because I'm empathetic mm. because now, because I have, I have a son and I'm worrying about different things that I wasn't worrying about. Is someone else going to think he's threatening because he's going to be taller because his voice is deeper mm. because of things like that. So, so to understand what these black boys have to go through mm. to even become sex successful in this world is harder than mine. Yeah. You know, and, and I want to I want to do every I want to do everything I can to to make my son to, you know, help my son to be successful. But what I love about um, legacy and what I've learned from my father's side of the family is being able to pass down something for generations. You know, we have a lot of land in Mississippi and, you know, and that was another thing that I didn't understand how unique it was until one, until my mother came once and she was like, I'm so glad you're able to experience this. Cause I'm riding on a four wheeler going 60 miles in the back, right? <laughs> you know, we like, we know we catch the air, yeah. right? You know, we on catch the air. We on literally. I didn't fell off. I didn't had a concussion. Mm. Yes, oh I've my had, goodness. I've had a couple concussions in my life. Oh I'm my like, goodness. Don't let it fool you. I get adventurous. Look, <laughs> look, we have only uncovered like maybe four or five layers, but I can imagine there's like ten. So yes, you know. But my mother was like, "Wow, yeah, you're able to like. Do you understand? Like, you just." go in the backyard to go swimming in your pool mm -hmm. and jump off the thing and then sometimes we get in the rv and mm -hmm. and you know and i'm literally going 60 miles driving around I, it's a part in the in in our backyard where you can't see nothing mm. you can't even see the house because you're so far back like not and i'm just like it's granddad's house that's all i now i'm older i'm like your family don't got no couple hundred. Yeah. Acres. Mm -mm. No. You don't have fam you don't have land in your family for two hundred plus years. No. You know, and so that so just like now, Reese, I'm like, wow, yeah. it's not normal to be an African American mm -mm. and have land in your family mm -mm. for two hundred plus years that mm -mm. you can drive fifty miles per hour with on a four wheeler, right? Right. No. And so and so, I want I want to give black boys the opportunity to see that. I want to help them travel. I want them to learn multiple languages, right? Mm -hmm. My father, I said my father, my um son, he know a little bit of Spanish. He got an A in French, right? We're, we're going traveling. He knows we travel, okay? Yeah. You know, that's just because, because when you, one thing about the mind is once you expand it, it'll never go back. It never goes back. Mm -hmm. And that's why I am, when it comes, when it comes to just helping people financially, if I drop a gem to you, you're never going to forget it. If you're miseducated about something with credit or something, I'll tell you something. I, I help everybody that comes in a proximity to me. Because when I understand, most people don't even get around CPAs. I'm a black CPA. I'm, I'm less than 1% of the population. There is an estimated 6,000 black CPAs in America mm. out of 650,000 CPAs, period, out of a couple million 
million accountants, right? So to be a black CPA, I'm literally a unicorn. And then to meet other black people, most black people don't have CPAs. Most black people don't have lawyers. And I'm such a helper that I know, I know you will not interact with someone like me. And because I know that, I want to give you as much as I can while I can. Yeah. Your, your um, heart for giving and knowledge and educating and educating yourself is um, astonishing. So as I think about like your life, it, I'm like, there's so many similarities with differences. And I talk about this off camera, but there's so many like ways that we align. And there's so many ways that you've gone this way. And it's like our lives are parallel. I love hearing about your story and your passion for the numbers. I swear, like if I could, if I could just sprinkle a little bit of, of the passion in there, then I think I might be able to roll with you. But I think that is why that's your gift. Like literally God has placed that passion, not only the education, mm -hmm. but the passion. Yeah. And for I just, I just, and I just accepted it as a gift. Mm. I did. It's, I've been, it's something, something that growing up, I was very uncomfortable with. Mm. I was uncomfortable with people thinking that I was highly intelligent mm. because when I, so when I was growing up, I was just a, they just called me the free spirit, right? Like that's, if you know anybody in my life that's known me since I was a little girl, that was the term. Lauren is a free spirit. Lauren's free spirit, right? So that was me. I was a free spirit. Then I was in the newspaper for a perfect score on a state exam. And that's when I became the smart Lauren, right? So now people have all these expectations for me and different things like that. And it made me extremely uncomfortable. And then also with, with, with um, loving the math the way that I did, always wanted to be involved with money. I just wanted to count it. Like it was just, I could count, I would count jars of coins i wanted if you had a bag full of money i wanted to count it and this was my entire life so now i'm getting older and you know people have higher expectations on me for being intelligent i'm not trying to be intelligent i just want to be the free spirit kid but then also you know uh you know, something about like women and money. It was like, if you love money, then you're like a gold digger and you're trying to this, this, this. So just different things just made me uncomfortable mm -hmm. about my enjoyment, my enjoyment for the numbers. I love Excel. I, yeah. If I could just work on Excel all day and talk to people, work on Excel and do some formulas, that like, that's like, what? Mm. Like, now when you're a CEO. Oh no, I'm still doing Excel. Baby. Oh, okay. I love Excel. <laughs> I love Excel. I was just, I mean, because that's literally what I do now. I have an entire team that does all of the actual accounting, bookkeeping, the taxes, like they handle all of that. And then I come up with the different personal deliverables that I want, the extra documents that I want. Now they might help me with it. They might start it with it, but there are certain things that I start on my own. Like when I do the, when I create the profit strategies for my clients, um, that's me, mm. right? That's me. That's me in Excel. That's me digging into it because that's a joy for me, right? I believe in keeping everything that you love and outsourcing everything that you don't. Mm. I love reviewing my client's book and seeing that they didn't spend something they ain't had no business spending. You know you ain't supposed to be buying this, right? <laughs> Craig, like, so, you know, I just, but but it took, it, it took, it took other smart people to call me smart for me to get comfortable with the intelligence. It took me to be around numbers people and them telling me I'm gifted for me to just start to accept it. Mm. And I think a lot of times the mentality part is that we don't believe our gifts, mm. right? We, we're afraid of it. One of, the, one of the quotes that really like took me was that it said, we're afraid of our light. A lot of people think that, that 
it's not that, right? But really, it's like you're really afraid of your life. Mm -hmm. You're afraid of being, you know, too great. Or you're afraid that that other people call you great and you think you might be great. But what if you do it and then you find out you're not great? Mm, that's one. I was reading um, Take the Leap. And mm -hmm. a hidden barrier is your fear of outshining others. I had never realized there was a fear. Like, like not, not, not are you, not, are you, you're not a fearful that you'll shine it. I mean, that you'll try to shine and you won't, but that you'll shine so bright mm -hmm. that everybody else around you won't shine. Like, like that's the weirdest, um, that's, people would say, you know, fearful of success. Mm -hmm. But like you said, when people don't know their light, they're afraid of it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> you know, it took, it took me, it literally took me to see how other people, it took me to see how easy things came to me. Mm. That's really what it was. Like that's, that's a problem, that's a problem that my son has right now, right? He's in this gifted program and he got in trouble because he's in algebra, he's in high school algebra, he's in grade school and high school algebra and he was not showing his work. Mm. And that was the same problem I had. I would do long division in my head mm. and I wouldn't show the work. But I put the answer down, and now I'm getting deducted because I didn't show the work. I don't even know how to do this on paper. Like it's, it's like, in my head. I just understand it. I can just so mm. so it took it took it really took me to see myself and mm. my son. Yeah, and to and the conversations I have with him, where I'm like, you are extremely bright, but your laziness mm -hmm. is going to. You can be the smartest one in the classroom and still have an F, mm -hmm. right? I don't care if you if you got done with the test first. Did you, mm -hmm. did you get an A? Right. Did you fail it fast? Because you could fail and pass in the same speed, mm -hmm. right? You know, but having these conversations with him and understanding and seeing how he doesn't even understand how bright he is. He does. My son's been an engineer since he was a little boy, right? He can code. He's built websites, apps, everything like that. He thought um, he was learning Python. He thought it was super hard. My brother, my um. My son, my son, my son, my dad's son just graduated with a degree in computer science, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was talking about how hard Python was. And my son was like, it was hard for you too. <laughs> you like, well, dang, little boy. <laughs> like, I thought it was just me and I was 10. So now he's making my brother feel even worse. Nah. He's a strong 20 something. And Aiden's like, it was you as well. Who would have thought that both of us would have been struggling with Python yeah. about 11, 12 years apart? Like it was just so, you know, seeing, seeing other, cause I have, I have very bright people around me, mm -hmm. right? And one of my, and also I'm inspired by one of my bright friends. I have a friend when we were younger, I don't think he knew he was that bright because we've known each other like literally since before I was a teenager. Mm. But now when I talk to him and the way that he moves, it's like, he knows. He knows he's going to walk in the room and be one of the smartest people. And if he's not the smartest person, he's going to be able to maneuver that room that he needs to. He's going to be able to connect with who he needs to. Yeah. He's going to make the impact that he needs to. So my friend Abdullah has really inspired me to just accept my gift yeah. because he's done so many great things for Chicago mm. so far. He's a he's a doctor at one of the best schools, um, you know, and best hospitals in the world, University of Chicago. He helped with the development of the trauma center that we have. Um, a lot of people don't know with all of the violence that we have in Chicago, if you got shot, which is trauma, there was only a handful of um, you know, uh, hospitals that you could go to. So if you get shot in the wrong area in the city, yeah. it might take you 
45 minutes with a to get care to get care yeah right? and so for you know and so for him to just be and it was really like it he just knew it was gonna happen like no i'm gonna help spearhead this movement we need this i'm for the community i'm from the community you know these people they need to see me and just seeing how he's move through and then also he keeps me grounded right you know a lot of times a lot of times we we dim our greatness right because he he was there when i was the free spirit mm -hmm. you know he's like you've always been a free spirit you've always been about your money like just embrace it just be it so so thanks to him and thanks to different people in my life that i've really seen not be afraid of their light not be afraid of outshining people. Yeah. You know, not not being afraid of all those different things. Watching them, I'm like, okay. And then them telling me, like, why you ain't, like, you know, he, when he meets different business people, he's talking about me. You know, he's like, no, I need to introduce, he, he's, you know, some of my clients I've got through him, right? So, yeah. so being around, you know, not even putting yourself in places that you can grow like this, but having people close to you yeah. that are, and whatever you want to be, if you if you want to be a multimillionaire, when a multimillionaire tells you that you can become one, something about it just sparks you. Yeah. You know, and you believe it. I would be remiss if I did not bring this up because I think we see you as the powerhouse. I see you as the powerhouse um, from a CPA, CFO, uh, profit strategist standpoint from a black woman educated who has a village standpoint and from a girl who could just like twerk with me and have fun like i love every single bit of it i swear um but the motherhood journey mm -hmm. is something that like I, I can even tap into all those things right like all those stories that you've told me so far but there's a mom out here who doesn't even recognize her full potential and probably isn't shining. Mm -hmm. So what's that motherhood journey actually look like when you're you're raising a family of such, you know, um, I want I don't it's not prestige, it's like substance. That's what I'm thinking of. You're raising a family of such substance, right? Mm -hmm. And then you become a teen mom. But what we know is you have literally killed it out the gate right mm -hmm. so without even reminding us that you were a teen mom we're like oh you did that too yes. so what is that what was that journey look like what did that journey look like for you oh well it started off scary i you know you um to your point you know i had been in a newspaper right you know as a young girl so everyone you know had these dreams about what i was supposed to do so i wasn't definitely was not supposed to you know be a team mom right that was that was not in the plan so it was it was tough but i already i already had a goal and you know i i knew i was supposed to be doing something dealing with money and making a lot of money like that's just that's just what it was so when so when now i'm you know i'm in high school i'm pregnant and you know my family's telling me like oh i guess you can't go to college and i guess you can't do any of this stuff my mother was like no we're gonna we're gonna stick to the plan we're gonna get this methadone clinic <laughs> <laughs> didn't do that one but i had my my mother and my friend group Right, my grandmother, my father, like they they really came through when it came to watching my son for me to be able to do what I wanted to do. So I mean to the point where I had friends that would sneak my son into, you know, the dorm room, right, to to watch him while um, you know, in class, right? You know, uh, my best friend B, you know, uh, you know, like she literally 
would have them. My other girlfriends, well, you know, but I remember, like, I remember walking up one day after class and seeing, you know, my girlfriend Bradley, as I call her B, with Aiden, you know, just rocking him. And I'm like, why are you not inside? And she's like, well, we got kicked out. It's not supposed to be children inside. So, you know, and she let me finish class. And it was just like, I'm just like super emotional. But I had a great foundation. I had a great, a great village that will watch my baby for me. So with them watching him, I always, I always, I was always a student. I was always into school. But then my mother was telling me like, you can get all A's. Like she always kept like, this baby ain't gonna stop nothing. We gonna keep doing what we need to do. It might slow you up, but you know, you need to focus. So when I first got into college, the first year, the really my freshman year, a little bit of my sophomore year, I caught myself like feeling like, dang, like, you know, like I'm a, I'm a mom, but I'm young and my friends are going to the club and I want to go to the club. And so, you know, I'm flying to Atlanta, you know, because my girlfriend, you know, goes to school in Atlanta and I'm just, and I'm taking these like weekend breaks um, where I felt like I'm just a teenager, right? I'm just an 18 year old. I'm not a mom. I'm just an 18 year old. I'm just a 19 year old. I'm just a 20 year old. Mm. Um, but then... I remember I had a conversation once again with my girlfriend B and she told me like look I'm gonna get out of school in four years so you need to plan accordingly you know I'm gonna be gone in four years and at that point like I had talked to people in school but my girl was was B so I'm like what we got okay I gotta figure this out right so I told you like I had some family stuff so freshman year I ended up having to like um, withdraw the full semester it was a whole thing and so now I'm like I gotta catch up on credits I'm trying to figure out how am I gonna get in four years my girlfriend says she's gonna get in four years and so at that point my junior year of college I just cut everything off because I could not maintain school being a 20 something year old or whatever and trying to be a mom at the same time so i cut off basically my social life got rid of my cell phone didn't have a cell phone you guys call the house phone if you want to get in contact with me if that text me on my ipod um <laughs> you know um and i just buckled down and just really put my head to the ground my my junior year i took six classes each semester 18 credits my senior year i took seven classes each semester 21 and 22 credits i had six credits every summer i was done with my bachelor's program on a Thursday, I started my master's program on a, on a Tuesday of the next week. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I knew, I knew I needed to hurry up because I had this baby, right? It wasn't that he altered what I wanted to do. It was just the speed. I couldn't play. You know, I had friends that's taking four classes a semester. How, what? I can't extend this degree. I yeah. gotta get a job. Mm -hmm. I have to get, you know, my baby, he has to have clothes. We have to, you know, um, you know, I was like, he, he, I wanted him in a better school. He was in private school. And so it was just different things that I knew I wanted for him because I wanted him to be safe. I wanted him, I wanted to nurture his gift. Cause I felt like a lot of, a lot of uh, children are very bright and we dumb them down. Yeah. I think, I, I really mm. believe most kids are geniuses. Mm, I mean, like we, we, we dumb them down by making them show their work when they already passed the step. Like, why are you making me go back and, and do my, show my work when, if you could just give me a harder problem. What are we doing? What are we, I, I tell the, I tell my son's teachers, like Aiden is going to be done with his test first. Mm -hmm. He's going to talk his mouth. So you need to go and have him do something, have him do something, clean up the school, put up the books, organize something, help a teacher. 
my son helped everybody in school because he always done first. But the the I I I even though the first couple of years of being a mom, I was just like, dang, I want to be young. I was like, okay, you know, this is your sacrifice, right? This is your sacrifice. You're a young mom. When you're in your mid-30s, your baby's going to be in college. You're going to get your life back, right? <laughs> so, so, so it just, it kept just the fire. And then also me wanting to put him in stuff. When he was in private school, that was not cheap, right? How am I going to afford to put him in private school? How am I going to afford to put him in these engineering programs that cost thousands of dollars in the summer? One of my son's summer camp programs cost $6,000. And, 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 and I didn't want to, you know, people, we spend money on what we want to spend. I didn't want to be that person that spent all this money on myself. And I did not invest in my child. So I, I Aiden, you know, my baby, he really, and he's like, he, he's like a grown man now. I keep calling him my baby. Everyone thinks he's so young. <laughs> he's a teenager. <laughs> I remember the first time I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the whole kid. I know. The you, whole person. Yeah, you hear that deep voice. <laughs> that, that bear is home. Sometimes he talks to me, I'm like, Aiden, you sound like my father. Okay, can we, you know, but, but really he's, he's, he's my. He and then also like he makes me think bigger. Mm. Like he's like the way the way he moves and the way he thinks. It's like why not? Like why wouldn't you be a full time entrepreneur and run your own company? Like you have clients anyway. You 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 run them. He he likes to be. He likes to listen to my conversations. He wants to hear my business conversations. We talk about business plans. We have a business plan with him. Every mm. time I have an idea, he's asking what's his cut. <laughs> yeah. he, he got promissory notes for his uncle like is he's you know but he he has really he's really just you know allowed me just to just to be hungry right and to accept it i think sometimes we have to have excuses mm. to things you know sometimes you don't always want to tell people how much money you really want to make because mm. you know it sounds crazy to certain people right mm. like when i tell some people like what i really want to do financially they're like what you what but then when i tell my friends like people that really know me they're like oh i already knew that right and then my son is like yeah why not why can't we? Mm -hmm. He wants to, I remember he told me when we, we're still working on it, you know, different, different ways to convert different things into energy. You know, he wants to figure out how to make a car fly mm -hmm. and th and just talk like, yeah, I'm going to make, and that's how we just talk about stuff like, okay, so you want to make a car fly. So what do we need to do? So it has to, it has to have a certain type of this, right? You got to flow or do some stuff. Right. And then he tells me, mom, it's called this. And then so it's, you know, he teaches me on the terminology, but you know, children, children and their imaginations. You know, just just some of the things that he just really believes that he can accomplish. Like you just know he's gonna accomplish it. Yeah. Like I believe you. Yeah. You know, he wanted to convert a car into you know solar panel. Like, and I'm like, okay, okay, let's figure it out. That's so that's yeah. Cool. He's he's really helped me believe in myself. Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing: please subscribe, subscribe. And share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so i know what other things that you want to see next now let's get back to the episode mm, that's amazing i am i am in I, I can't keep i can't keep saying it um in so many ways i identify with your story and in so many ways i'm inspired and in so many ways like i know somebody's looking at this in this in this at this interview 
and they're thinking like, oh my gosh, she did all this stuff and she's a strong black woman. But I just want to let y'all know, there have been like three or four times when we both were like almost here to tears and we both like sucked them into our eye, eye ducats. <laughs> so don't get it twisted in this entire journey, this powerful woman, she still has feelings, she still has emotions. Um, and we definitely like, we, we I, I'm, I'm just honored that I get to see like other sides of you as you grow as you like reach your higher heights. And, and I'm really blessed that you said, oh, I gotta get to know her. Cause ever since you have, like, I just feel like, okay, I need to value myself a little bit more, right? Yes. Um, and you have, you've poured into me in so many ways than, than one. Um, I have to check myself and be like, okay, is she really my friend? Oh my God, she's my friend. And it's funny, like when people say that about me. So it's like, you have become my mirror. And you have become something to aspire to. Mm -hmm. So I, I see a lot of I see a lot in you what I see in myself. Mm. I see like I was like I had friends that had to tell me some of the things I've had to tell you. So it's really just me sharing, you know, things that Abdullah has told me are things that I've told you. Right. You know, and, and, and not even the exact word, but like some of the, the concept. Right. Sometimes you have to have people see your light yeah. because you don't see it, you know. And then because and, at first it was just just hearing you speak. I was like, oh, she's like, this just feels so like in a trance, hmm. you know, it was just so like like a melody. Like I'm a, you know, because I love music. I'm a big music person. My family loves to step, you know, in Chicago, you gotta step, right? Um, <laughs> but just, just first listening to you, and then I told you, I, it, I had like this, the sentence came like, you have, you have to meet her, like you need to talk to her. And so I was just like, oh, okay, like I knew I was gonna have to do it. But then as time went on, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And then when we had our first phone conversation, I was like, oh, okay, I know what it is. She doesn't know how dope she is. <laughs> Okay, I get it. Okay. It was really like, oh, okay, that's that's what it is. She has no idea. Okay, she thinks she's just regular and just living life because you know, because nothing nothing's wrong with being regular. Nothing's wrong with being average, right? But I think I think you know was was what I personally feel like is the most difficult thing is when you are different. Mm when you are an anomaly and you can't identify it yourself. Like if Elon Musk did not know that he was Elon, like where would we be at? Right. Right. You know, like, and even Tesla, who he named his company after, if he did not know, if Mandela, if all these different people and not, and not to say that, that we are that or that we are not that, but it's just when you, when you look at different, you know, people that have really impacted you in life and you think about, I'm so glad that they knew that they were that. I'm so glad that Grant Cardone took that leap once he got into his later age. A lot of people don't even think in their 40s and 50s to really start doing that. A lot of people don't even know, like Grant Cardone, just the Grant we see, he was not. But I'm so glad that he did that, right? So I, when I think about that, I think that's those are the type of people that I tend to gravitate to, mm -hmm. right? My clients are people who know that they're good at something, but they don't know what they're amazing in. They don't know that they're more of a unicorn, that they're more, you know, um, that, they, that they fall in more of the 10 to the 1%. A lot of people think about economically, right? You know, okay, you make this amount of money and you're, you know, if you're under 30 and you're making like $100,000, you're in the top 1%, right? Mm -hmm. 
But a lot of people don't understand it when it comes to like just gifts and raw talent and intelligence. Mm-hmm. And and those those are the people that I am the most concerned about because those are the people that innovate. And business and longevity is based off of innovation. And if you cannot innovate as a human or as in a company, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Look at Kodak, right? Kodak was on his game. Everybody had a Kodak. You had a Kodak camera. Look at Kodak Black, right? Everybody has Kodak. But then mm-hmm. when when electronic, you know, and digital pictures were coming out, they thought, oh, we got 10 years. They had 10 months, right? Mm-hmm. They did not innovate quick enough. Mm-hmm. They failed. Mm-hmm. So just because if you if you don't know how to innovate, then where are we going to be at as an entity, as a company? And innovators are normally gifted in manners and ways that they don't even realize is a gift and stuff. So anytime I see people that I feel like has something different in them that they don't even really understand. Like my my client in London is brilliant. She's so brilliant, right? But I could tell she did not understand her brilliance because when you're thinking of being a CEO and stuff, you think you have to be this businesswoman and she doesn't have a business degree. And it's like, but you're not supposed to. Like you have a team. That's why you have me. That's why I'm your CFO, okay? (laughs) Because I'm gonna make sure we have all of that. I just need you to just be this great, woman with these ideas and just keep coming up with the ideas and we are going to do everything right i told you ceos are supposed to just be visionaries and when i can get my clients to just only have to be a visionary Mm. that is what i know i'm doing what i'm supposed to do this is none other this is not like any any work and play episode we have done (laughs) but i will say i will say this when it comes to working and playing and working with you and meeting you since then even to the point we like okay so when do we hang out when do we hang out i was like girl we could do a work play we could do a work date from the moment we decide okay so we can work and play together this is just this is just like the best little you know, crossover of energy that I have um, experienced in a long time. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Work and Play podcast. I'm so excited for you, girl. I didn't expect this. I can tell you that. I'm like, oh, we got light. Oh, baby. Got to come correct. Man, because I've I've seen, I've watched the videos. And so to, to, you know, to watch it, but then to like be it, it's like, oh, and I, I think you're such a great interviewer. I told you that when, um, when I saw you. You're yeah. a great interviewee. So oh. I'm going to just say, because every time I had a question, the reason I say that is because every time I had a question, you were answering it and you were making connections. Mm. So the, the one thing that I do is like, I'm listening to your story and I'm tying things together. And so you're a good interviewer because you're making connections and you're bridging the gap and through your own story, which means you know your story. Mm-hmm. like, And then you know the things that make you you, like, the, which goes back to the conversation that we we just had like knowing what makes you you like mm-hmm. being able to bridge these these um gaps together because mm-hmm. i'm asking you questions that I, the only time i get like oh i never thought about that is because people haven't made those connections yet and so you being able to fly off is mm-hmm. because you've already made some of those connections yes yes with the help of therapy yes, yes. Therapy, <laughs> therapy is am- i have an amazing therapist i've been in therapy for years now and i think everyone needs a therapist i really feel like everyone should go to therapy you should you just increase your sessions when you're going through stuff and you decrease it when you're you know when life is great i meet with my therapist once a quarter mm-hmm. when we in a struggle it's once a week right mm-hmm. during my father being sick and stuff after he passed away 
every week. Gosh, mm-hmm. just you know. But you know, talking talking <laughs> to someone, and, and what makes my therapist so great is one, she's a grandmother, and the seeds of her fruit, right? When you can see someone's children and see how great they are, right? And see that they're all married, they're all in happy marriages, they they love their jobs or their careers, you know, they're, you know, just, and you know, and then she's beat cancer twice. Her second bout with cancer, we was actually still having therapy sessions. And I never told me that she had cancer. I had figured it out because my grandmother had cancer. Mm-hmm. So certain signs, right, you know, the hair starts getting shorter. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, then they do like a little ball cut thing. Then you get the wigs and mm-hmm. more scarves, right? Mm-hmm. So I was able to see the traits, but still having sessions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Still, still being an entrepreneur. Right, because she was an entrepreneur, you know, and and just didn't miss a beat. So, so, so the one, so to to be with someone that's gone through that, I like to I like to think about people that don't make excuses because you know in in, in our life, and that's one thing I had said before. Like my grandfather, you know, some of the stuff that he has to deal with, it's like how can we complain? How can we say, oh, this is hard? This is the easiest time to ever become a billionaire. Yeah, easiest. Oof. The easiest time. Mm-hmm. And when you really think about it, so talking to my grandfather and talking to my therapist and stuff, she was able to really help me put things together. The way, so so I just, I just had to say that. Like I, you know, three, four years ago, I was in the process of, trying to understand you know Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't know i didn't even understand the whole me being afraid of my light because of me being a newspaper until i had a therapy session Mm. and then it was like okay you know some because something always lingers from your childhood and you move based off of something in your childhood but you don't ever really remember what that thing was mine was when i was in the newspaper i was in the chicago tribune Everyone's calling. I'm getting letters and stuff like that. And I was in sixth grade and it was just too much for me. And so with my therapist, I was really able to do things. If, if I wasn't in therapy before my father got sick, I don't know what I would have done. Like that whole, because I had already been in therapy for years before then. Mm-hmm. So, and I was able to work through so many things with like my childhood and stuff. So, you know, it was, I, I was, I'm, I was beyond blessed to have had her in that moment and afterwards because that's no literally she and she's a spiritual therapist as well right she'll pray over you i I love someone that could cover me right Mm -hmm. and then you know like like if i'm having a really hard time it's like something goes off in her senses and she'll text me and just be like yeah you know i just you know i decided to pray over you something just felt heavy in my spirit and i'm Mm -hmm. just like this happened and da 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 you know so like i just therapy is i tell everybody Go to go to therapy. My son's been in therapy, right? You know, after my father passed away, because him and my father were tight. Like mm-hmm. my father loved my son when he loved his kids. <laughs> like I'm telling you, like <laughs> his grandson. Oh no, I remember I had him. I had my son walk to school. My father called me like, um, I know. I don't see Aiden walk. I was like, "Oh Lord, Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord, it may." But um, but but no therapy. Mm, you know, uh, I feel like he, it's it's helped my son. It's helped you know him to be able to get through. You know, we don't we don't even realize what some of these kids deal through, mm-hmm. deal with when they when they have a loved one like that pass away. Especially mm-hmm. you know, my father picked them up to took them to school every day, picked them up from school every day, went to his Christmas things. Anything I need I needed my father to do for my son, he would do it. Yeah. 
And so therapy has been great for me. It's been great for my son. So no, I tell everybody, get a therapist, get a therapist, get you some therapy, yes. get you some help, especially as a black person, you know, you need it. I read this book called Black Trauma and I understood that um, that a lot of the things that we deal with, we never handled. And, and, and I don't think our generation has nowhere near as much trauma as our previous generations, but we have the trauma passed down. Mm -hmm. And we don't understand it. Like my grandmother, my mother's mother, she did not like non-black doctors. She just didn't vibe with them. Never knew why. But then I found out that when she had her first C-section, it was by a black doctor, flawless. You couldn't even see the scar. Mm. The second doctor she had was a Caucasian man. He looked at the stuff, was like, oh, this is a great who did it. She told him who the doctor was. She came out of surgery from having her next baby and she was butchered. <sighs> she was butchered. So her fear is real. She, she, and she doesn't know if he did it because she doesn't know if he did it because the previous doctor was black. She don't know if he did it because she was black. She was a dark skinned woman. You know, she didn't know what it was. So, you know, mm -hmm. understanding like some of the traumas and stuff that my grandmother and my grandfather had because they are dark black people, right? You know, and understanding that there is a such thing as light skin privilege, right? I know that, that white privilege is real because I have light skin privilege, right? And understanding that. I'm not going to get pulled over as fast as a dark skinned man and that people aren't going to be as threatened by me because I'm not dark. My mother's dark. My dad's dad is dark. My mom's mom is dark. Right. So understanding like, wait, this is we get followed when I'm with this family member, but we don't get followed when it's me and this family member and both of us are white and they're, you know, understanding that. But but really, you know, going going through therapy and keeping people in my life that have had way it way worse. It's like I can't complain. Mm -hmm. I think too many people surround themselves with people that complain. Mm -hmm. And you know, just just like he hearing some of the complaints that people make about you know trying to become a millionaire and doing different things in life. It's like, do you know what? And not even like let alone ancestors because. Yeah. But it's like your grandparents. Yeah. What they had to go through. Yeah. It's insane what what my grandfather had to go through just to get the land back, you know, from, you know, that because the family was selling it off and some of the people didn't want to sell it back to him because they said that you were a black man. You got enough land. Mm -hmm. You real greedy to be a black man. Right. And not in those words, because we talk about the Mississippi. Right. Right. So, you know, and he did it. My grandfather is 96, 96, 98. One of them. I just saw him. He'll kill me if you know. I can't remember. Hey, granddad. <laughs> um, not one of them. What was it? 90. He's not. He won those. 96, 98. And he not trucking. I feel like people, this new generation, they act like they have more trauma than my 90 something year old grandfather from Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi. Mississippi. You know, and so I just, that's why I like to just surround myself with those type of people because I'm like, this isn't, this is nothing. Like, yes, we have trauma. That's why you need to go to a therapist. But you really need to go to a therapist to get it out. Yeah. Because a lot of times we don't get it out. We just hold on to it. Yeah. And you just need to get it out and just move on. And I just think about what my ancestors had to go through, what my great-grandmother had to go through to get from Alabama to Chicago, what my grandfather had to go through to get from Mississippi to Chicago. And they own properties and, you know, and understanding like, they own properties when blacks, at first it was illegal in certain places to own property. You know, a lot of people don't even realize it was just a couple of decades ago, women couldn't even have credit cards. We had to have, a, we had to have men sign off 
for us to, you know, get different things. Not that far, right? Mm-hmm. And so talking to my great-grandmother about these things, right, about how she needed a man to do certain stuff. Yeah. And then she figured out a way to do what she had to do to support her children, yeah. right? For my grandfather. My grandfather, he had some things where he felt like people were trying to hold him back. So he started LLC because a hippie CPA told him what he needed to do to you know to get what he needs to get done and mm-hmm. to build it up and to go around it so i i really just i always think about those people anytime i feel like oh this is hard i feel like quitting you know you everybody has those days you emotional i don't even want to do this anymore <laughs> yeah. i'm not built for this and you're you know and you're like boo-hooing i like to cry in the shower because i don't feel like you're crying right <laughs> you know you just put your face on either water i'm not Right. But but, you know, but then I literally be like, what would my if my grandfather saw this? What would he say? What would he say? Mm-hmm. What would he say? Like, I remember I had this conversation with my mom another like I just had a moment because like when stuff happens first, I just I get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm talking about like, you know, something unexpected, like my transmission went out on my car or like my my brother got into a car accident when I was trying to do things after my father passed away. And it was just like very high stress situation for me. And I called my mother, cause my mother's just like, girl, if you don't stop, if this is bothering you, this ain't for you. Mm-hmm. Straight up, I'm like, ah, mm. I'm just having a little moment. And you know, so just, and but just thinking like, okay, like this isn't that bad. This ain't. It's not gonna kill me. It's not gonna kill me. It's not going to hurt my children. Yeah. Right. It's not going to mm. like some of the some of the things that my grandfather did, both of my grandfathers did. They could have lost their life. Yeah. They could have. They literally could have. You you in the wrong neighborhood. You did. You talked to the wrong person. You would have got bam. Like people think now is bad. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. You know, so I like to I like to keep people around me. that remind me of that. And also people with good energy like you. Like people were like, I can't, you can't get around you and complain. <laughs> like that's not even your spirit. Not even, not even I felt like that you're going to say something about me complaining, but just your energy is like, what's wrong? Like, let's do some Zen. Let's, <laughs> let's do some yoga. You want to like, let's meditate, you know, and then we're going to eat some good food and we're going to do some work. And we're going to come up with some goals. So, so what are we doing today? <laughs> what do we have to accomplish today? What is, what's on the thing? You know, you can't, you can't. So, so like, I, like people can't complain around me because I'm a problem solver. Oh, you hate your job. So when are we going to quit? Yeah. Like, let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we don't want to quit. Okay. So when are we going to move departments? Literally. If we're not talking about solutions, what are we talking about? Mm-mm. Yeah, Enneagram fives don't do small talk. Mm. I realize, and that's another thing. I gotta go back and get my test. Yeah, you know, taking the disc examination, taking Enneagram fives. I love Enneagram the strengths. Test. I like strengths. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, but I liked I liked the Enneagram one because you know a lot of times I felt like I was people used to make me feel bad for wanting to be by myself, right? To needing alone time, mm-hmm. to to not doing small talk. I thought like they really made me feel bad, like n- like. I don't, don't text me, hey, please, Lord, give me a full something, hey, what am I supposed to do with this? Literally. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta check my, yeah. Hey, like, no, I need to, like, what, what do you want me to say back? Hey, and you're gonna say, how you, what are we 
doing? Yeah. No, no small talk. But Enneagram Five, like I was able to read it and listen to it and send it to my friends and be like, "Hey, if you want to know why I move like this and act like this, it's called Enneagram Five, and yeah. this is, and it makes sense." Because I w- I was learning about it. And I'm like, "This is me. Mm-hmm. This is me." And understanding what you look like when you're unhealthy, understanding what you look like when you are healthy, mm-hmm. and being aware of that, being honest with yourself when you feel yourself getting depressed because of different things. When my grandmother passed away, I was depressed, had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there was another time in my life when I was depressed, but because I was able to identify the first one, I was like, I think I'm going in a little depression, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I know the difference from being sad and not being depressed because of therapy, because of these examinations, because of strength finders, mm. because of all these different things, I was able to become self-aware. And I remember um, finding out the statistic where it was like 85, around 85% of people think that they're self-aware and they're not. We don't really know ourselves like we like we think we do, mm-hmm. and 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 to and also to be unapologetic about it. That's why I love certain people. Like when you see certain people move, and you know they are, Dave's one of them. Like he just knows. He knows what, and it's just yeah. and it's like this is me. Like yeah. I know how I need to move, and this is that. My mother's like that. My father was like that. Like Steve, baby, like. He was, he knew what it was. I need to come. I'm only going to be there a short period of time. I'm going to get my plate. I'm going to get my beer. I'm going <laughs> to That's it. I don't mess with y'all people like that. I'm going to go on my Mustang. I'm going to speed. I'm going, you know, and it's just like, just unapologetically show up as themselves. And, they, and then it works. You see it yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't nobody else to be but us. Listen here, y'all. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to my beautiful guest, Miss Lauren Perot, for dropping so many dimes, wisdom, and nuggets on us for us to take back, do some homework, and do some work on ourselves. I mean, did you think you were going to get some Ayala today? Because we definitely got some, plus more. But anywho, um, if there's someone out there who's watching our interview mm-hmm. and they connect with you in any way and want more than ways than one and yes. they see your, themselves in you, um, how can they get connected with you? What, what, how can they reach out to you? They can find me on Instagram. That is my thing right now. Never had a website. I had a website once and my client told me he wouldn't have hired me if he had seen that website. So I was like, <laughs> let me get rid of this. He's like, my director of operations gave me this. I wouldn't have booked you. So yes. Instagram, um, I-T-S, uh, Lauren, P-A-R-R-O-T-T, two R's, two T's. Um, yes, literally just go on my page. You can DM me if you want to learn more about my services. Uh, you can book a consultation directly in my bio. Um, but yeah, I have a workshop coming up uh, that uh, if you want to do a workshop, I have a lot of things coming up you know in the pipeline okay now you know now that i have the time and i'm a full-time entrepreneur yeah i'm just repackaging a lot of a lot of the information i've just gained Mm -hmm. and and yeah so yeah just Find me on Instagram. Yeah, well, I know you guys are really excited for whatever she comes out with. And by the time it does, there will be a a link in the description so you can actually cop that for yourself and get some of this growth, get some of this level up in your business, and get some of this wisdom, okay? So thank you again for watching. Thank you for listening. But until next time, peace out. You guys be blessed.